Hey there, Pastor Mark Jordan here from Hope Church. Thank you for stopping by and welcome to our online ministry. While you're here, make sure to subscribe to our podcast so you can stay up to date on all the content that's released. And while you're online, visit us at our webpage at placeofhope.org. Hope Church is on a mission to introduce people to Jesus and fuel their love for Him. And we hope that this message today is helpful and inspiring for you as you continue to take your next step on your faith journey. Once again, thanks for visiting us and make sure to check us out at placeofhope.org. Well, good morning. I sure am glad to see everybody here today. Now, for many of my Spider-Man fans, you may recognize that was not the correct video for today. Um, I, uh, I must have uploaded the wrong one and didn't realize it until just now, right? You know, no matter how, you know, you really have a hard time proofreading your own stuff sometimes, don't you? But anyway, uh, I'm going to make a reason out of it. Uh, I, I'm a big fighter, Spider-Man, Spider-Man fan. I'm a big fan of Spider-Man as well as creating my own words. Uh, you know, if you've ever seen the cartoons or comics or movies, you know, he does the, he can swing through the webs out of his wrist or a spider web shooter. Uh, it's also the sign language symbol for love, right? So uh, I think it's okay for us to love Spider-Man, right? Uh, there are things about it that really, that really work that speak to some of the Christian faith and all, as well as speaking to uh, some of the ideas of sacrifice and surrender uh, that we have explored throughout these last couple uh, installments of this. Uh, and so it really works well, even though, uh, I, like I said, I, I guess I uploaded the wrong video to the, uh, to the computer. But hey, that kind of stuff happens, right? That, that kind of stuff happens. Uh, so we are in the middle of our Hope at the Movies message series. We started out talking about changing the way that you think uh, with a clip from Top Gun Maverick. And then last week we talked about Christology and the study of Jesus specifically using a clip from Avatar and the Way of Water. And today we are going to uh, talk about the call of God uh, from a clip that we'll watch in a few minutes on our uh, movie Spider-Man Far From Home. Spider-Man Far From Home. Uh, before we get there, though, this would be a good time if you haven't yet done so already to pull out your Hope Church Plus app or your follow-along notes that are inside the info guide. Uh, you can follow along with the message there. And for those who are worshiping with us online, uh, you'll note that I put them in the comments section on both Facebook as well as YouTube. So you can access them there. Uh, but before we get there, uh, <clears throat> the idea of call is something that, as a pastor, I've heard that, and I've kind of wrestled with it for a long time, like most of my life. So that you know where I'm coming from, I received my call into ministry when I was about 14 years old. I had a friend who uh, well, took his life, and I was at the funeral service, and while we were there in the church, uh, one of the other students from the youth group was playing Somewhere Over the Rainbow from The Wizard of Oz as, as kind of a, a tribute uh, to our friend and loved one who had uh, chosen to end his life early. And it was in that moment that I felt God and God's presence just wash over me. And in particular, where Jesus says he, he came to bring hope to the hopeless and to help mourners find hope. And I felt in that moment, that was when God was calling and challenging me to be his representative in the world. And whenever I would go before various committees and boards and things like that, as we do in our Methodist system, uh, to receive our credentials, people would ask, Mark, tell me about your call. And I would go back to that moment when I was sitting in that sanctuary in the memorial service for a friend who took his life. And I would talk about how 
God called me in that moment and in that time. It wasn't until years and years, maybe even decades later, when I started mentoring pastors that something about the idea of call became even more prevalent to me, is that it isn't so much a moment or a point or a place in time, but it becomes a burden by which we are called and we feel compelled to live our lives. And so... One of the things that's imperative for us all to know is that God calls every single person to be a part of his forever family and to do our part to help others know that they have a place in God's heart now and forever. And so the call isn't just that moment where we feel God's presence and power speaking into our lives and then God speaking through our lives. But we feel that burden uh, that, you know, forgive me for the poor grammar lesson here, is that stuff that I can't not do. Jeremiah described it as the fire in his bones. And every single person, every single person has that same call on his or her life. It's the thing that you know you've got to do in order to help fulfill the ministry and the mission, the rescue mission of humanity that Jesus came and performed. For some, it's music. For some, it's photography. For some, it's technology. It's graphic design. For some, it's cooking or preparing coffee, greeting at the door, working with children, uh, helping to feed the hungry or, the, or working with the homeless. There is a burden that God put in every single one of our lives where he said, I need somebody to step up and go. And like the prophet Isaiah said, here I am, send me. And every single person who believes and follows Jesus feels that call and that burden. Now, there's an obvious piece and a part with that is that the call of God, although sometimes it can be clear and it can be overwhelming, it is something with which we struggle. As a young person, 14 years old, feeling and experiencing my call to ministry, and now that I'm you know, 34 years past that, thinking about this idea of how am I supposed to live my life for Jesus, it comes with a sense of struggle and a sense of needing to strive to be the person who God created and called me to be. Perhaps you saw the daily writing that I put out this morning called to struggle and strive. That word in Hebrew, ancient Hebrew, is Israel. Did you know that? If you saw that this morning or you didn't know that, did you know that the word Israel means to struggle and strive? That is the name that God gave to Jacob after he wrestled with him all night long. It wasn't so much that Jacob was a real match for God as much as it was that God needed Jacob to know that he needed to struggle and strive in his life. We don't like that idea that we have to struggle and we have to strive in life. But even the whole idea and the, the identity of Israel is in struggling and striving. I don't know about you, but I am struggling and striving to find answers about what's happening in the Middle East right now, and how this powder keg is seeming to be lit and explode on a nearly daily basis. I've had a number of people reach out to me and ask if I think that Bible prophecy is being fulfilled, and I answer a resoundingly yes, and with a tentatively maybe, or I'm not even sure. It's hard to know. All of this is mysterious for us. But what I do know is that when we see evil in the world, and friends, what is happening in the world is evil. 
when we see these things happening in the world, it is God speaking into our lives with that sense of anger and angst that we feel, saying, I need you to struggle and strive with me in the face of evil, in the face of uncertainty. Find that which is certain. And that is that God is real. He loves you and he has a plan and a purpose for your life. I can't make sense out of what's happening in the Middle East except that it is evil on the move. We don't want that to be true, but it is. One of those predominant questions that comes up in times like this is why does God allow bad things to happen to good people? And I wrestle with that. And I heard actually a Jewish Christian write about this the other day that made so much sense is we have this expectation that God is going to make our life easy and comfortable even in the face of sin. And yes, expectation collides with the reality and sometimes that collision can be explosive and it can be painful and it can even at times be deadly. We must remember that we are not made for this place though. We are made for eternity with God in heaven. That's what Jesus told the disciples knowing that every single one of them was going to be accosted and attacked for their faith and at least attempted to be martyred. Jesus knew that. And the struggle that we have in striving to live for Jesus and to hear and to heed the call that he's put in our lives is that what we have to do is to recognize that evil exists in this world and we have to stand against it with hope and with light and with love. And to bless the peacemakers as sometimes they have to do horrible things in order to achieve peace in the world. But what this Messianic Jew said about the difficulties that we face in life that struck me so much is that when we set ourselves as the standard or the arbiter about bad things, then we are only able to see the minus, minus, the smallest, minutest, here I go making up words, right? We're only able to see the slightest, tiniest sliver of perspective and reality in the world. And if we begin to say that this is bad, God, why'd you let this happen? This is bad, God, why'd you let this happen? We would eventually get to the point where we would say, God, why did you let me stump my toe on the nightstand? Why did you let me drop my cell phone in the toilet when I know I shouldn't have been, I'm, I'm sorry, going there, you know, but you know what I'm saying? <laughs> what we would begin to do is we would begin to describe and to, and to tell God what we think are bad, the things that we believe that he should prevent. And he's trying to get us to raise our gaze from the world that we live in here to heaven and to recognize that the earliest Christians, followers of the way as they were described in the book of Acts, they were called and challenged to stand up to evil. And sometimes, yes, they were martyred, but it was all done in belief and hope and faith that Jesus is who he says he is and he will return and he is preparing a place for you and for me. And he asks us to help stand in the gap and to let people know in the midst of this crazy, rotten, evil, messed up world that he is here with us. And so we go back to the verse that I used this morning from Genesis chapter 12, verse 3, where God was telling Abram, soon to be Abraham, that it would be through his descendants that the world would come to know that God is real. He loves us and has a plan and a purpose for our lives. That wasn't just about Jacob or Isaac. 
To whom do you think it referred? Someone say Jesus. Jesus, that's exactly right. It was Jesus. God was referring to Jesus when he told Abram millennia before that hope was going to come. And friends, that's who we are called to use our lives to point people to, to Jesus. In the midst of all the darkness, in the midst of the evil, in the midst of the atrocities, we point people to Jesus. Why? Because Jesus stood in the gap for us in that. He took the evil. He took the death. He took the depravity of humanity on himself. And that is why God was able to say to Abraham, or Abram, Abraham, and then to Jacob and Isaac, and all through the lines to Jesus, that I will bless those who bless you and curse those who curse you. So while we are filled with such angst and anxiety and fear about some of the evil and the atrocities that we're seeing in the world, may we remember to keep our eyes fixed firmly on Jesus because he is calling us into his ministry to point people to him and to say, give us that light, give us that hope, give us that help, heal us, Lord God. And we hear that call. It's so much more than just a time and place where we hear God speaking into our lives. It becomes a burden with things that we can't not do. And that's how we find ourselves coming into our message today with a clip from Spider-Man Far From Home. Talking about the call of God. What is it that you can't not do? What is it that you feel God putting in your heart and on your mind and in your life to say, I need you, my precious child, my son, my daughter. I need you to stand in the gap and point people to my son and your Savior Jesus with your life. We're going to start in the Old Testament as we have already with our Bible lesson for today. From the book of 1 Samuel chapter 3 verses 1 through 10. Now chronologically... 1 Samuel comes at the tail end of the book of Judges. Judges talks about those champions, so to speak, who would rise up and lead Israel throughout their challenges, and uh, oftentimes it involved war. One of the things that we would see repeatedly is that there were judges who did good things and there were judges who did bad things. It is reflective of our human nature. We all simultaneously can be good and bad. We are all the hero and the villain in somebody's story, as weird as that is to think about or to consider. But the way that the book of Judges ends is that people were doing their own thing, what was right in their eyes because they had no king. And the way that Judges transitions over to 1 Samuel is we see the people begin to clamor, we need a king. We need somebody to come in and tell us what to do and how to do it, to give us their moral directives and the imperatives so that we know what to follow and who to follow. That offended God because God's like, I am your king. But if you think you need someone who you can see, who you can tangibly relate to, okay, I think we can allow you to have that. But the reality is, is that because of our human nature, we are all going to rise and fall at times. And sometimes those risings and those fallings are quite exaggerated. Not exaggerated, but they're quite uh, expansive. We see ourselves in another one of those eras where people are doing what is right in their own eyes because we have no king. It's not that we don't have a king. It's that we're not following our king, the king of kings. We're not heeding, we're not hearing his words, his teaching. We're not heeding it if we are. As people, we need to recognize that we have a king, the king of the universe, the king of kings, who also is known as the prince of peace. And so as we move into our scripture lesson, that little bit of the background, Samuel is the prophet through which God communicated to the people about how this kingly process was going to come and emerge and evolve. 
And this call that we see, the call of Samuel, Samuel's probably about 12 years old, 12 or 13. He's a young teenager or an older adolescent. He is someone who's trying to get his life together. And as you'll see here, God had not been very active or very verbal for a little while. But that's all about to change. And so let's turn our attention to 1 Samuel chapter 3, verses 1 through 10. And we're going to read about the call of Samuel. And then we're going to see, as we progress through our points today, about how God's call comes to every single one of us and requires a response from us. So, picking up. Meanwhile, the boy Samuel served the Lord by assisting Eli. Now in those days, messages from the Lord were very rare, and visions were quite uncommon. One night, Eli, who was almost blind by now, had gone to bed. The lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was sleeping in the tabernacle near the ark of God. Suddenly, the Lord called out, Samuel. Yes, Samuel replied, what is it? He got up and ran to Eli. Here I am, did you call me? I didn't call you, Eli replied. Go back to bed. So he did. Then the Lord called out again, Samuel. Again, Samuel got up and went to Eli. Here I am. Did you call me? I didn't call you, my son, Eli said. Go back to bed. Samuel did not yet know the Lord because he had never had a message from the Lord before. So the Lord called a third time. And once more, Samuel got up and went to Eli. I'm going to press pause really quickly here. Whenever we see something happening three times in the Bible, it is a message for us to perk up and to pay attention and to get ready to respond. Okay? So, that's why we see this happening three times. Before we transition really quickly, God is speaking to Samuel. Samuel did not know how to discern the call or the, the voice of God. God reaches out three times, speaks three times, and then now we see this response. Okay? Here I am, did you call me? Then Eli realized it was the Lord who was calling the boy. So he said to Samuel, go and lie down. And if someone calls again, say, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. So Samuel went back to bed. And the Lord came and called as before, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel re replied, speak, your servant is listening. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. All right, so God calls all, but sometimes we need help discerning. That is the first main big point of this message. God calls all, but sometimes we need help discerning. And I would imagine that if this passage were to have happened today, Samuel would have expected to see something pop up on his smartphone screen, caller ID that perhaps said, God is calling, right? Wouldn't you love it if we could get caller ID when God calls and speaks out to us? I know I would sometimes. And one of the reasons is, is that when we hear God speaking into us, we need somebody who can walk alongside us, who is also walking alongside the Lord to help us discern if it is God who is speaking and what God is saying, if it is indeed. God, who is speaking? We need a caller ID, so to speak, very early on in our walk with God. But here's something that I've come to realize in my life, is that God is always communicating with us. 
Sometimes it's verbally. Sometimes it's through nature. Sometimes it's through a movie like Spider-Man, Homecoming in the clip, in the trailer bumper, or Far From Home, as we'll see in a few minutes. God is constantly speaking to us. It's kind of like if I were to have a radio up here with one of those old-timey, you know, analog dials. Some of y'all have seen those in the past? I still have some. I still use one of those ancient alarm clocks. It still works. Well, I get rid of it. Anyway, that's a sermon for another day. But if you take your favorite radio station, it's always broadcasting, right? Are you always able to hear it? No. What do you have to do to be able to hear it? You got to tune in, right? You got to make sure you get the dial just right. It works that way with us as well. Our caller ID isn't so much something that's going to pop up on the screen and say, Dear Mark, God is calling. You better answer it. Sometimes it may pop up as no caller ID because God's calling us into a posture and a position of obedience where we're able to, to pray, to listen, and then to communicate with other people, ask, seek affirmation, seek answers. We have questions. God doesn't always give us that caller ID, but God wants us and expects us to have conversations with people so that we can find affirmation in God speaking to us, but also in those connections that he is calling to weave into our lives. I listened to someone give a keynote address on Wednesday, and one of the conversations we had afterwards was how amazing it was for him that he could see and hear and sense God bringing the same affirmation through multiple people and multiple venues at multiple different times. And that's one of those things that I've learned in my own discernment of my call and helping others discern their call as well, is that one of the most important things you can do is listen out for your affirmations. What is it people are telling you? You've got to keep doing that. You need to sing more in church. You need to write more on social media. You need to bake more or serve more or whatever. You need to do that more. Is there something that someone tells you you need to do more of it for God? If so, God may be speaking to you. And you may need an Eli, so to speak, in your life that's going to come to you and say, what I need you to say next is to go to God and say, speak, for your servant is listening. But what is God's call? What is God's call? I talked about it in the beginning a little bit, where initially it comes to us sort of as a, uh, that moment in time where we can feel, hear, sense, see God speaking into our lives, but it also is part of a burden of things that we can't not do. And it's about speaking into how God has spoken into our lives to help others know that God is still indeed speaking. The passage I want us to look at here comes from 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 9 through 10. And this is where Peter, who we're going to hear about his call in just a few moments, spoke also into other people about the call of God. This is what Peter wrote. But you are the ones chosen by God, chosen for the high calling of priestly work, chosen to be a holy people, God's instruments to do his work and to speak out for him. Pay attention to that. To speak out for him. To tell others of the night and day difference he made for you from nothing to something, from rejected to accepted. Now, on one hand, Peter is talking to a group of people, specifically those who were not brought up in the Jewish religion and culture. He's talking to an individual group of people about how God took them and made them insiders when they once were outsiders. But in order for us to join a group of people, we have to recognize that a group of people is made up of what? 
people, right? And you are a people. Well, you're a person, but you know, you get the point, right? So every single one of us to join this group of people has to recognize that God is making a night and day difference in our lives, turning us from rejected to accepted when we accept Jesus Christ as our personal Lord and Savior. God is making us a person to join his people. And our role as a person and as a people is to continue to go out into the world and to help people know that God is real and he loves us and has a plan and a purpose for our lives. So when we consider the idea of God's call, it has two basic sides of a spectrum in which we live. The first is that we're going to recognize that our call to God is eternal in nature, but carries with it daily responsibilities. Our call is eternal with daily responsibilities. And someone's probably saying, Pastor, can you unpack that a little bit? I'm glad you asked because I've got just the nugget for you. The idea is, is that when we accept Jesus, we are becoming part of God's forever family, right? So we're looking at this idea not just in terms of who we are and where we are right here in this moment in time at 1028 on Sunday, um, October 15th. Right? It's not just this one moment in time. We are called to be part of God's forever and eternal family. But when we recognize that we are part of God's eternal and forever family, we also have chores, so to speak, that a, man, a child might have. I can remember one of my chores. My brother and I would always have to do the dishes after mom and dad did dinner. And we would alternate washing and drying and putting up. And we always wanted the washing job because you got done first. Right? That's, that was pretty much the key. That was the, that was the glory job, was to, was to be able to do it. And we really didn't want to do it. In fact, many days, I'm sure we, most days we didn't want to do it. Oh, we never wanted to do it. Mom's watching, Mom, you know, I'm sorry, but it's not a mystery. No one likes doing dishes. But it's part of those responsibilities that teach us how we are called to contribute to the family and be part of the family and actually make a difference for the family. So you have daily responsibilities, and sometimes those daily responsibilities may come across to us kind of like having to do the dishes or folding the laundry or cleaning out, scooping the cat litter. You know, sometimes those daily responsibilities are not fun. They are not glamorous. They are not glorious. Oh, but they are glorious, aren't they? Because when we are contributing and we are making a difference in where we live and how we are finding ourselves, our lives, our souls nurtured and cared for, then we are being wound up and set loose to help make a difference in the world. Nowadays, because of what my mom and dad instilled in me, I frequently have the dishes done before Tiffany and Ethan finish eating. A lot of that has to do because I inhale my food like a vacuum cleaner. I am a Dyson when it comes to my meals, right? Packed, but doing the dishes is something that is important because it contributes. It makes a difference. And sometimes we just need to see something get done. Something dirty get cleaned. Something messy to be made right. This is life, my friends, which means every single one of us sees our eternal calling and understands we have daily responsibilities. Job, which begins at home, caring for your your spouse or your parents or your children or your siblings or whoever it is you live with. May not live in your same domicile. Responsibilities to help care for, nurture, and shape the family, to help make a difference in the world. And we do this things like washing and drying and putting up the dishes. 
We know we are contributing to the overall health of the family. We need to do this. Our culture is trying to get people of faith to shrink back into the shadows, to quit representing Jesus so brilliantly. Why? Because, as the Scripture tells us, people who are in sin don't like the light because it reveals to them the darkness in which they are living. But we know from the Scripture it tells us that a single light illuminates and casts out the darkness, right? We must be light bearers going into these dark corners and crevices of the world in our culture and society and shining the light of Jesus. As the old saying goes, all that's needed for evil to persist is for good people to step aside, to step aside and do nothing, to say nothing. We need to be light bearers in the world. And when we do, we recognize that our life, which has become eternal in nature with daily responsibilities, is no longer our story. When our story lines up with God's story, it becomes His story, and His story must be proclaimed. And His story is history, right? We can point back to times like when God was calling Abram to be Abraham and then Jacob to be Israel. He's changing their names. He's giving them a new identity. And he's telling people to bless them, these people. Not because they're special, but because they're chosen by God. Not chosen because they're special. They're special because they're chosen. And what Peter tells us is that all of us in Christ are now chosen. That's why we have to point our lives to him. Eternal in nature with daily responsibilities. We can now look back and point to the history of how God created, sin entered the world. He made the promise of redemption through his son and the hope of eternity through the same. Our lives are now in Christ. And when our lives are in Christ, they sync up all the way back to the beginning. The fall of Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. God created for them skins and clothes to wear by the shedding of blood and said the time will come when blood will be shed and no more blood will need to be shed and that was accomplished by Christ on the cross. This is our history. It is God's story and we must share it or it will be lost. Right? So, God calls us all. Let's watch our clip from Spider-Man Far From Home and as we watch this clip, you're going to see that Nick Fury, who is the character played by Samuel L. Jackson, who's not featured in this clip, uh, is trying to call Peter Parker, or Spider-Man. If you didn't know that, I'm sorry about the spoiler, but, you know, I can't help you with that one. Anyway, so he's calling Peter Parker because he needs Peter Parker to engage in a mission and to help him save the world. So let's watch our clip from Spider-Man Far From Home and then uh, begin to think about this idea of call that we've outlined so far. Let's watch a clip together. I felt that too. I felt that too. It's fine, it's fine, it's fine. Okay. Did you get your passport? Yeah. Mini toothpaste? Yeah, I did. Hey, sorry I'm late. Happy. Hey. Oh, you look lovely. Thanks, you too. Thank you. New dress? Uh, yeah, yes, it is. Is it a new beard? It's my, my blip beard, because I grew it in the blip. Mm -hmm. Blip beard. I see. Yeah. 
It, uh, anyway, so uh, the reason I'm late is because this was misplaced at the office. You can believe it because it's enormous. I mean, not the amount, the size. The, size, the amount's nice. Too. <laughs> They're very generous. Pepper Potts yeah. said to Thank you. Sorry, she couldn't be here. I think I'm going to go change the sterno under the vegan lasagna. Spider-Man, go shake hands. Will do. What just happened? Heads up. Nick Fury's calling you. Nick Fury's gonna call me? Yeah. Why? Why? Because he probably has some hero stuff for you to do. You're a superhero. He, he calls superheroes. Well, I mean, if it was really that important, he'd probably call someone else, not me. Apparently not. That's it. No caller ID? That's him. I don't really want to talk to Nick answer Fury. The phone. Why? Because if you don't talk to him, then I have to talk to him. I don't want to talk to him. Well, why don't you want to talk to him? Because I'm scared. Just answer the phone. You sent Nick Fury to voicemail? Yeah. You don't send Nick Fury to voicemail. Did you hear that? They're calling me. It's, I gotta go. I you, gotta go. You gotta talk to him. I'm gonna call him. I promise you I'm gonna call him. I will. You do not ghost Nick Fury. I promise you. I'll call him. After my trip. Hey. Yeah. I, no, no, he's not ghosting. So the call of God. Maybe you have felt like Peter Parker or Spider-Man, when you believe God is calling you and say, well, if God really wanted this done, certainly God would call someone more important, right? Have you ever felt that, if you feel God's call in your life? Have you ever felt like if God wanted or needed this done, then he would ask someone a little bit more qualified? Obviously, that's not how God works, right? God doesn't call the equipped, he equips the call. Have you heard that before? It's a pretty common little saying. God doesn't call the equipped, he equips the called. God would rather call you with your individual life stories, with your heart, with your passion, with your triumphs, with your tragedies, with your victories, with your failures. God wants to call you unique and individual and awesome as you are because there are places in the world that only you can go, things that only you can say, people with whom only you can interact it may be daunting to think about that, but it is exactly right. There is a spot in a corner in this world that you are the only person with all of your DNA and your life experiences can reach an impact. That is why God calls every single person. Because God wants every single corner and crevice of this world flooded with Jesus' light. And when we say God certainly would call someone a little bit more important than little old me... We are denigrating our creation in the image of God to the one who made us to be special and unique and awesome as we are. We must hear and heed that call of God. But Peter knew. He was a superhero. He would say later in the movie, I'm sticky and strong. <laughs> I love that. It should be a description for the Christian, right? be strong in Jesus, have some Jesus power in us. And we need to find ways where we can help stick that message of hope and salvation with our life experiences to people who are going through things that we can relate to. And we can flood with Jesus' light and help them to know that they're not alone. And the world needs the light and the hope that that person can give because of who they are in the image of Christ. The other side of it Peter Parker hoped that he might be able to take the call later. That's something that I can relate to as well. Maybe I'll just take the call later. 
I recognize that there are things I can do, but I'm going to take the call later. I'm going to take the call when I finish middle school <laughs> or high school. I'll take that call when I, when I get my first full-time job. I'll take that call when I get married. or when I, I'll take that call when I have children. I'll take that call when I can afford a fleet of limousines. Or I'll take that call when, when I learn how to, uh, to make the perfect pizza crust, right? I'll take that call. And when this happens, then I'll do that. We live with that wind in thinking, and we are denigrating again the call that God is putting in our lives. When we say, ah, certainly there's someone better equipped for this, or I'll get around to it later, we are missing out on the incredible power of the call that God wants to put in our lives. Because part of us following and obeying, hearing and heeding the Word of God is that we have to recognize that there are struggles and striving that goes along with it, right? We're going to have to struggle at times when we make mistakes, but what do mistakes teach us? They teach us how to do something right. They teach us how to seek forgiveness and reconciliation to be better and to look at the world through God's eyes. And so when we receive a call from God, and every single person in Christ has received a call from God, God's call requires a response. God's call requires a response. I mentioned Peter and his call a few minutes ago. Matthew chapter 4, verses 18 through 20 says, As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, called Peter, and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. Three months later, they left their nets and followed him. Is that what it says? No. What does it say? At once. At once. They followed him. The call of God comes to every single person. And when it comes, don't wait. Commit and follow Jesus today. Commit and follow Jesus today. And recognize that Jesus wants to teach us how to use what we do to introduce people to him. Because Jesus knows that there are hooks, so to speak, that we have in our lives where we can see and understand the grace of the gospel of God, the forgiveness and salvation that comes to the forgiveness of sins because of who we are and what it is that we do. How did Jesus interact with Simon and Andrew? Did he say, follow me and I'll teach you to code computers? Follow me and I'll teach you to teach preschool? No, because that wouldn't have been a good fit. But he said, follow me and I'll teach you to fish for people. In other words, I'm going to teach you how to use your skills, your interests, your abilities. I'm going to teach you how to introduce people to Jesus based on who you are and what it is that you do. And so when we see this, we recognize that our call from God is also based on purpose. Our call from God and the response to that is based on purpose. Very much like what Jesus said when he called Peter and Andrew, follow me, I'm going to teach you to fish for people. It comes down to the things that we can do. Computer coders can introduce people to Jesus. Preschool teachers can introduce people to Jesus. Whatever it is that you do, you can introduce people to Jesus. Maybe even if you are a vocational Christian and working in a church, you might have an opportunity to introduce people to Jesus. But you know what's interesting about this? As we kind of bring this and wrap it up together? Is that people expect people like me 
to proselytize and evangelize, right? They expect me to want to talk about Jesus. Now, there are times, and that's perfect, and that's great. But there are also times, and I've seen it a bunch when I'm in a grocery store or something, and just strike up a conversation with a person, and we get into what it is that you do, and I say, oh, let me tell you, I'm the pastor at Hope Church down on Charles Hardy Parkway. We have worship at 945, and all of a sudden you can see the cuckoo, cuckoo. And it's like the Homer Simpson gif backing into the bushes, right? I don't, I don't talk to someone like that. He's coming after my money, right? But that isn't how perhaps you can connect to something. There are times when I do weddings and funerals and things like that. It's, it's needed. But around the water cooler or the coffee pot or the copy room or the server room, transportation depot or hub, the office, the classroom, Costco, train tracks, you have a unique opportunity to hear and heed the call of God and use your life to introduce people to Jesus and fuel their love for him. Mark chapter 16 verse 15 is the gospel of Mark's version of the Great Commission, which we use a lot. Mark's version is a little shorter, about 5'8 or so, I guess. Bad joke, sorry. I'm Mark and I'm 5'8. Actually, I'm 5'7 and 3 quarters. I tell everybody 5'8, so I round up. Okay, I'm digressing. Jesus told them, go into all the world and preach the good news to everyone. Not people who live like you, look like you, talk like you, dress like you, drive like you, smell like you, eat like you. To everyone. Using your skills, your gifts, and abilities to help others know of God's love. To fish for people. To help the world know that God is real and he loves us and has a plan and a purpose for our lives. And even with the atrocities that we see around the world, people may come and say, well, how could a good God allow something like that to happen? And I know, beyond the shadow of a doubt, that God's heart breaks as well. But part of what we can do in our lives is not to dismiss the fact that there is evil in the world because evil will be conquered. God promised it. But what we can do is to flood the darkest corners and crevices in this world with the light and the love of God in Jesus Christ. We may not be in a position to be a peacemaker like some are, but we can help make peace in our homes. We can help make peace in our church. We can help make peace in our community. We can help make peace wherever we are. We can help the world know that God is still real and he still loves us and he still has a plan and a purpose for our lives. So as we bring this message to a close and the band makes their way back up to the stage, remember that God calls all of us, but sometimes we need help discerning. Find your Eli, like Samuel had to help discern and discuss that call of God. And to know that that call of God is eternal in nature with daily responsibilities. 
It requires a response. It requires us to not put it off or to wait into the future, but to make the decision to respond today and to use our lives, individual, unique, quirky, and sometimes failure-ridden lives, to help the world know that God is real and he loves us and has a plan and a purpose for our lives. So as we bring this message to a close, I want to invite you as the band plays our closing song to, to think about the call that perhaps God has put on your life, to hear his voice and to heed that call. And to know it isn't just a moment in time that might be right here at 1040, ooh, 1047, I'm sorry, yeah, right here, right now. But to hear it and to know that what God is about is to point us all to eternity. So let's go to the Lord in prayer and then we'll close our, our service with song. And God, thank you for calling us place and from this place back out into the world to point people to the love of your Son and our Savior Jesus. There's so much horror and hell around us and we might be discouraged into thinking that the promise of Scripture about light overcoming the darkness isn't true. Lord, forgive us for being so deceived and paying any attention to the enemy and his lies. And so, Lord God, as we find our lives refueled today, I pray that we shine extra brightly in those dark corners and crevices of the world that we hear you speaking, we make ourselves available, and we follow your call to go out into the world and to let the world know that your light still shines in the darkness. So help us to find our Eli's, to help us discern your call. Help us to respond to that call and to respond based on how you have made us and equipped us and wired us to be your servants and to be representatives in this world. I ask this in the name of Jesus and pray that we hear and heed his call this day and forevermore. Amen and amen. Thank you again for joining us today. We are glad that you stopped by. Again, we want to encourage you to visit us online at placeofhope.org. If you're in the Paulding County area there, you can get service times, directions, and information about all of our awesome activities for children, for students, and for adults. Again, Hope Church is on a mission to introduce people to Jesus and fuel their love for Him, and we hope to provide you the heart fuel you need to follow Jesus. Thanks again.